I'm always looking for DIY projects to feature on this show. When I saw some of the things that Giovanni Gennetti had built as part of his home malting process, I knew I had to have him be a guest. So today we're going to talk about the process of home malting and talk about some of the amazing projects Giovanni has built today on homebrewing DIY. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruisin ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast. And that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruisin. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this podcast covers it all. Today, we're talking to Giovanni Gennetti about how he started malting at home as part of his brewing process. We then talk about the really cool smoker that he's built, and he uses it to make smoked malts. And then we discuss the step-by-step process on how to make malt at home. Today, Giovanni joins us all the way from Italy to discuss DIY malting, so please stick around. Now, let's jump into some feedback. I got a message from Instagram user OldManCrunchy, and he wrote, How do you get your beers to be less cloudy? I hear using Irish moss helps, but when I tried it, it didn't seem to have much of an effect, along with the second fermentation. But I also hear that Warflock helps too, though I haven't used it yet. Thanks. Personally, I think clear beers, when starting out, is one of those things that's pretty hard to achieve, especially when your main process for packaging your beer is bottling, and most people, when starting out, don't have a fridge to cold crash in. But my process for getting clear beer is this. When my beer is getting towards the end of fermentation, or really is just done fermenting, I cold crash it. So what does cold crashing mean? Well, you have to get your beer below 40 degrees. I personally have a fermentation chamber, so in that fermentation chamber, I take it down to below 40 as fast as possible. I try to do it within a day or so. You want to hold the temperature below 40 for at least 24 to 48 hours. This process drops out most of the yeast from suspension and makes the yeast cake very dense and hard to disturb. 
I then add a little bit of gelatin and hold it cold for another 24 hours. Then I rack the beer into a keg and then I bust out a couple of pints and they're super cloudy. And then after that, it clears up. Irish moss and other boil findings will help as well, but nothing beats time and cold when you're talking about clearing out a beer. Now, I'd like to thank Old Man Crunchy for his feedback, and you can leave your feedback too by reaching out to us on social media. Look for the account at homebrewingdiy on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can email the show at podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. You can also support the podcast by heading over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. We have some great perks for our patrons, like special access to our Patreon-only Discord, and we also have a special Q&A session with some of our guests. You can get all kinds of cool stuff by being a monthly supporter at any level. You can also support the podcast by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Your ratings and reviews help others find this show. Another way to support the show is head over to our website and click on the Brewfather banner. If you're looking for new brewing software or just want to try something new, definitely check out Brewfather. You can sign up for the free version by heading over to homebrewingdiy.beer and clicking on the Brewfather banner. Once again, head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and click on the Brewfather banner. Now, let's dive into the show and talk to Giovanni Gennetti about his DIY malting setup. I'd like to welcome Giovanni Gennetti to the show. How are you, Giovanni? Fine, thanks. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, and and welcome to Homebrewing DIY. Uh, So Giovanni is a do-it-yourself maltster. Um, He's from uh, Perusa, Italy, and uh, he's... uh, I've seen some really amazing photos of some things that he's built, like like a, a smoker and some pretty amazing stuff. And as I've dove in and we talked a bit, I was just kind of really blown away, really, by the way that you're malting and and really the craft involved with what you're doing. So we invited him on the show, and we're going to discuss really just malting at home in general and uh, in how he does it and how he got started. So... uh, you know, Giovanni, I think the first question is, uh, why would you want to malt at home? For me, it was uh, home malting and uh, hopes growing the natural evolution of uh, home brewing. I think uh, for two reasons. The first one is uh, my parents have a farm and we always produce almost, almost everything that we eat. So it was very strange for me to buy the malt and hopes to make my beer and the second reason is uh, I am an engineer and I like to understand new processes and building uh, machines to automate uh, some steps of them for example right now I am building a new barley grading machine to help me to clean and sorting the barley Okay, so so, have, uh, so a barley uh, grading machine to uh, essentially like cr- clean and sort the bar- barley by like different before, sizes before you malt. Yes. You can sort uh, the barley 
depending on, on the, the diameter of the grains. Oh, okay. This is very important during molting because if you have a, a uniform diameter of the grains, you get uh, a uniform uh, result in the malt. Ah, that makes sense. So you want the malt to be a similar size throughout so that yes. when you're... Uh, because the, depending on the size of the grains, the grains ab absorb more or less water during the steeping. Ah, makes that makes and a you, lot of sense. Yes. And yeah. you can also, for example, have uh, two grading steps and then you have uh, two uh, diameter ranges and you can mold them uh, separately. For example, the best, the biggest for a base malt and the smallest uh, grains uh, for the caramel or uh, roasted. Ah, malts. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in uh, my case, it's only I only take the biggest grains because I have a lot of animals in the farm. In the farm, <laughs> so I don't. well, you know that's kind of the thing. If you're if you're making your own malt, you get to pick the best stuff for yourself, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so uh, how how long ago did you uh, start malting at home? I started malting at home three ah yes about three years ago. Okay. How how long and ago did you? Four years. Okay, so about four, four years, years ago. ago with uh, ops uh, growing. Okay, and how long ago did you uh, uh, start brewing beer? Uh, six six years. Oh, okay. Yes. And when you started brewing beer, did you start all grain? How what was that progression like? I started with uh, all grain because uh, I ordered in eBay the wrong kit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I expected uh, this uh, big can uh, with the extract and I received uh, a bag with uh, malt and another with uh, hops and then I had to start uh, the hard way uh, you know sometimes just jumping in right that way is going to be the best way anyway right <laughs> yes I am happy that uh, it went like this yeah I, I would be too so, so the first day was not so easy <laughs> I remember I started brewing on 8 o'clock in the morning and I ended up in, at midnight. But uh... <laughs> that's, a, that's a long brew day, but you, you got yes. it done. Did, 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 how did the beer turn out? Was it good? Oh, for me, it was the best beer. The first <laughs> time. It's, it's always uh, the best. Oh, uh, you know, that, that first one is always like, I made beer. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, how did you find out about home malting? Obviously, you started. Uh, you you did start growing hops first, but then uh, how did you actually, you know, discover? Hey, I I could actually just, you know, grow my own uh, barley and malt it. Yes, I started uh, with uh, uh, an article on a German uh, online magazine, Brau Magazine, and uh, yeah, I saw it was a. Uh, uh, not a long article, but uh, well done with uh, the main steps uh, and uh, the description of them. So I was able to to make uh, my first uh, batch, and then I bought uh, the Bible of professional maltster and brewers, the technology brewing and malting from Kunze. And I also found some blogs, so for example, the Brewing Beer the Hard Way. And yes, this this was my seven steps. Okay, and then uh, now it, I think 
I find it e- easier maybe because uh, there are more communities and more books in the latest uh, months. For example, there is a new Facebook group, uh, the Home and Professional Monster. There is my <laughs> Facebook group. This is only in Italian, the Maltazione Casalinga. And there are also two new books about it, Malting at Home and the Home Brewer's Garden. And, uh, so for the, for is, the, and just for the show, for uh, those listening, um, I'll actually track down these books and link to these books. So if you're interested in, in, in malting at home and you want to look for this malting at home book or the Home Brewer's Garden, I'll make sure that I put links in the show notes. Um, so what, what does, you know, you, you've built these communities. How has that community grown? Like, you know, when you started malting a few years ago, was it a smaller community and it's, it's, there's a lot more people doing it now. What, what is that? What's, the size of the community look like now for home malt home maltsters. So my my Facebook group is uh, only nine hundred uh, people, but I think the the most are only homebrewers that are uh, curious about it. The people actually malting in the group, I I would say we are about twenty or. 30 people okay so there's a lot of there's a lot of interest but the actual like you know doing it is definitely a different step yes it's uh it's a lot of work uh, for something that you can buy very very cheap true true buying malt is uh for sure the (laughs) the best the the more uh so it's not so expensive so I, yeah. I think I, I cannot pay the the electricity bill with the same price. <laughs> yeah, true. You, you you definitely have to want to kind of say, hey, I'm going to make beer from, you know, truly from scratch. And so, um, it, and it's kind of definitely something where you're, you're kind of saying, I want to have control all the way from, you know, basically from the, the farm all the way to the glass. But, you know, to me, there's also a bit of satisfaction there where it's like, you know, you, you did grow it, you did malt it, you did, you know, brew it. So when, when you have a finished beer, you can truly say you made it, you know, grain to glass. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a big satisfaction. That, yes, absolutely. So what, <clears throat> what does the malting process look like? Uh, like, you know, what are the steps to malt at home? So the, the process consists of four main steps. The first one is the cleaning and grading of the barley. As I said before, I'm uh, building the new grading machine. <clears throat> so you have to clean the barley from impurities, uh, dust, uh, or uh, other things that are not uh, grains. And you sort the, the grains uh, of different uh, diameters. And then there are the other steps are steeping, germination, and the last one, kilning and curing. So the steeping is an alternation of uh, water and air rests. So the grains are soaked in cold water, about uh, 55 uh, Fahrenheit, and then drained. <clears throat> An example of a steeping schedule is the 
five hours water rest, uh, 20 hours uh, air, three hours water, 20 hours air, and then another hour water. So you are always uh, soaking, draining, waiting, soaking, draining, waiting, what, for three times. So what, what is the, the natural process we're trying to actually create there, right? So like that, that process is obviously getting it to germinate, but, you know, is it something where you're trying to create like, you know, the, the water, the air, the water, the air cycle where it, it what is it like in nature that we're trying to replicate? So we, we want to, I think we want to replicate, so we want to force the germination as uh, uh, uniform and fast as possible. Okay. So, so we want to, to uh, increase the moisture inside the grains, but without uh, uh, so killing them. So they need oxygen to start. For this reason, it's important to give them the water rest and also to provide oxygenation with an air pump during the air rest. Okay, so so the idea is that basically the 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 cycling and the the air rest, the water rest is you're trying to get enough moisture to get it to germinate, but not drown the <clears throat> grain essentially, so that it becomes like so sogged with exactly. water that it can't live. Okay, and during the I mean, and okay. and you're even pumping air into the water when you're doing the water rest. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. So what, what, I also yeah. made some experiments in the last batches, uh, trying to reduce the twenty hours air rest. But I, I noticed I noticed uh, that the, the moisture is uh, at the end of the process is uh, smaller. Ah. So you have to if you make a, a shorter air rest, you have to to increase the last uh, water rest. Okay. And another reason for this uh, five hours, twenty hours is is that it's more compatible with working times. So th this this steeping schedule comes from a German book. So you have workers that make something in the in the rig, in the facility. So it must be compa compatible with working times. Oh, okay. So it's like only the natural, but all, all, also. Also, net, um, one uh, it's a matter of uh, uh, working time of the people. Yeah, so like when people are, you know, they work during the day in the um, in the malt factory, and then they go home and go to sleep, and that twenty hours is actually factored into the time that they're actually off of work. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, you know <clears throat> what when when you're when you're done with that. What is the kind of end goal that you're shooting for? Like, what's the consistency of the malt? What is it? You know what I'm saying? Yes, there's, there's, um, the end of this uh, this step is uh, are the grain with a uh, given uh, moisture percentage. So we want, uh, for example, 38% uh, moisture in for um, a Pilsner malt up to 38 for a dark malt and uh, how 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 can you uh, measure that there are usually two uh, way to measure the 
the moisture inside the grains uh, at the hobby level. The first one is uh, with a scale. So you have to take the weight before the steeping of the grains, so the weight of the grains and after the steeping, so you know how much water is uh, inside. Or another way is to dry them very, very fast. So a sample, to dry a sample in the microwave oven. This is my favorite way. So 10 grams of, gra of uh, socket grains in the oven and then uh, full power for 10 <laughs> minutes. So I can see how much water was inside grains before by waiting. So by with scale. Yeah, so you measure the difference. So you dry yes. you take the wet you take the wet grain, weigh it, uh you start with ten grams, so it's a nice easy round number. Microwave yes. it for uh you know to till it dries out and then once it's dried out, you weigh it again and you a the difference is what how much moisture was in there. And you basically do a simple math equation to basically figure out what the percentage is. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, let's, uh, what's the germination step like? Germination is, uh, so during the steeping, the grains will start sprouting. And now we want to let them germinate at uh, low temperature to have, uh, so what's very important in the germination phase is the uniform germination. Because if you have a uniform germination, you have a uniform malt. And to reach this uh, goal, you you need uh, low temperatures and turning three times a day the the malt, the grains, because you want to avoid the making uh, uh, so layering of temperatures uh, or uh, like small bolts inside. And uh, so, if you have layering or bolts, the temperature will increase inside inside of them. So it's very important to turn them, turn the grains. The temperatures are higher if you want to make a dark malt. So up to now we have two uh, things that determine that determines the color of the malt. So the the moisture at the end of the steeping and uh, the temperature during germination. These are all facts that uh, modify the, the color of the, of the malt. At the end of germination, we have, we have uh, what we call green malt. Okay. And so this is basically malt that's germinated but hasn't actually been uh, kilned or roasted till, to basically, you know, kind of make the exactly. outside the, hard we yeah. have uh, we have the right modification we have the enzymes yep but it is not possible to store it because it is wet and it will be full full of uh, mold in a few time so now you after so when you have green malt you you have to kiln it so to dry them to dry the grains as fast as possible to make it uh, storable and so usable for for brewing. The kilning has also uh, some uh, steps. So you have uh, a schedule with uh, different temperatures for different times. Uh, 
and uh, um, a forced ventilation. So in the schedule is also uh, written if you have to, if you need a, a fast, fast uh, airflow or recirculation, for example, it looks like uh, usually um, 35 degrees at the beginning, and then you, after four or five hours, uh, 55, and then you increase to 65, 75, and then the last step, the last three hours is the curing, so the hottest temperature with a recirculation of the air. For example, for a Pilsner malt is about uh, 85, or for Munich, something like uh, 105 uh, degrees. Oh, I'm talking about Celsius, sorry. Yeah, so the the, uh, I, the temperatures we're just talking about are in centigrade. Totally fine. We'll, we can, uh, you know, that's not an easy, it's a pretty easy conversion. Um, so, yeah, so 105 centigrade, and between 85 to 170, 105 centigrade is where you kind of finish off your malt for like a Pilsner. Yes. But yeah. what is very important is uh, you you don't have to reach certain temperature until the moisture is, uh, is smaller of a, a certain value because uh, odd, because you can activate enzymes like in the in the brewing steps. So if you rise the temperature too fast, you will start uh, uh, a saccharification step, for example. Ah, uh, yeah, or that makes sense. Proteolytic, uh, or so the amylase, uh, amylase are activated if you hit too fast uh, the mold. Yeah, so this reason you, you start with uh, a high ventilation, so a lot of airflow and uh, lower temperatures, and okay. then you start up heating. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, because, like, for example, if you were to hit 140, the malt was too wet, it would actually start to basically mash at that point. Yeah, and, it's like a mash. Yeah, and, and you don't want that, because you want to basically do it controlled on your own time when you make beer, and so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if you step it up... And you go through this uh, cycle and slowly do it with a lot of air movement over it. The malt dries fast enough to, by the time you hit those temperatures, it's actually really dry, and so it's it's just kind of curing instead of actually uh, converting. Exactly. Awesome. And another point is uh, from green malt, you could actually also produce. So directly the uh, caramel or uh, crystal malt, because if you increase the temperature to uh, so uh, sacrification temperature, it's like stewing because it's uh, very very wet. So you let it uh, you you make a sacrification step for about three hours, and then you can jump directly to curing to give the the right uh, moisture content and uh, the color so you get uh, caramel or crystal malt or wow. you can jump directly to uh, for example 200 degrees celsius uh, to make uh, 
a toast a roasted malt. Okay, so once you actually get it dried out to that point, then you can jump to whatever the color you want. You're you're ready to go. So it's 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 an easy step to jump there. You don't you don't have to like do more steps once you get kind of past that sacrific the the that uh, sacrification uh, temperature. Yes. Awesome. Um, and then what you know? So once it's cured, um, what's the uh, you know what's the next step after that? Uh, oh, after that you just have to to wait. After molting, you have to wait about uh, one month before brewing. Okay. Because the the enzymes uh, needs. Uh, to relax after this uh, work in the <laughs> process. Yeah, they kind of had they they've had a so they've, they've had a hard go for the last few days, and they they just need some time <laughs> some time off before yes. they turn into beer. That's awesome. Yes, uh, and also the moisture must uh, re- re- be redistributed inside the grain. So I, I have uh, I read the, you can have problems uh, also in uh, the loiter process if you use the malt uh, too early ah yeah because it would be because uh, the, the filtering pro- uh, process will be it can stuck yeah you get a stuck mash because it's too yes. uh, goopy so uh, when I find something like this in a book I, I don't make a trial in the other direction <laughs> <laughs> totally um, you know what? What kind of uh, what kind of beers do you personally make out of uh, your malt? Like, what what kind of beers do you like to make? Uh, I made a lot of uh, different beers from uh, Pilsner, from uh, American Pale Ale, and also my favorite recipe in the moment, uh, the Cesium Black IPA. And I was able to make beers with 100% of my malt. Awesome. So the, the malting process is working good. You don't awesome. have problem with sacrification or uh, you always, uh, uh, if you make the test, uh, sacrification test, uh, after one hour of uh, single step, for example, you don't have issues uh, with it. Yeah. Well, so for me, the thing that really kind of caught my eye is uh, I saw some really amazing stuff that you had built recently. Um, specifically, you, you'd built some smokers to uh, smoke your malt. Um, uh, can you kind of explain to me a, a bit about the, the smoker that you had built and, and the kind of beers you're making out of it? Yes, I, so I have built this uh, very, very big smoker, a wooden one. As you have seen, yep. And uh, there is a big uh, closet. Closet, yes, it's like a big closet with for thirty kilos uh, of uh, malt. It's always planted to make uh, the kiln and the smoking process. So um, smoking of malt. Uh, is uh, a process that you can do in the kilning phase. So you combine smoking and kilning. This is historically uh, also 
like this because they used the fire to hit uh, the kill. And now I, I try to reproduce uh, something like this. I usually try to uh, follow the seasons uh, when I mold. So in my idea is in summer I can uh, make the killing under the sun. So in, in Italy it's not a problem. And uh, during the winter, uh, with uh, with smoke, so as as um, a small, a small uh, wood uh, burner, and convey the hot smoke uh, in the kiln. So this is uh, this is my idea. I can also use the this uh, smoker with a cold smoke. So I have a small cold cold smoke generator and I use it uh, to smoke my malt. The smoker is also planned to let you smoke uh, meat. So the first test was actually with meat. So you <laughs> can inspect uh, um, why I started smoking uh, my malt is uh, also an interesting question. The, the problem was uh, I, I love uh, smoked beers, but uh, I don't like so much uh, beach, beach wood uh, smoke, the taste of uh, beach wood. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I wanted to experiment uh, with other uh, woods. For example, that, uh, that I have in our so forest, Hollywood, uh, sherry, and oak. And now I... I just finished the first two batches of olive food smoked malt, and I will brew some beer out of it. Nice. You're gonna make what kind of beer are you gonna make out of the olive wood smoked beer uh, malt? Uh, I will brew a Mersen. Okay. So in the something like uh, the famous uh, Schlenkerla, but with the uh, olive wood instead uh, of beech wood malt. Yes. Awesome. Uh, the, to, to be honest, uh, I would love to try a beer like that. I've, you know, it's it's going to definitely be its own thing. Yes, I hope. And so the 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 malt smells very very good. So I hope to that I can get the same uh, taste in the beer. Awesome. Well, I, you know, I I would love it if uh, when you try that beer, if you could send me a note and uh, give me an update. I'd, I'd love to kind of update people later in another episode. Um, where where do you get the malts that you're you're malting? So, um, as I said, uh, we have a farm, so we we were able to get some uh, seeds of malting uh, barley. So malting barley is not the same as uh, zootechnical barley. So that 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 you use to feed the the animals. The uh, malting barley has a, a lower content content of uh, proteins. In uh, if compared to zootechnical malt, so you need to get some uh, malting barley. And I, I think the, the best way is uh, maybe to ask in a malting facility is if you have one uh, near you or maybe in the Facebook groups about malting or 
maybe you have uh, some farmers in the near your home and you can ask them for the first uh, experiments you can also use uh, the zootechnical barley if it is uh, important to ask if the grains were uh, treated after the ha harvest so sometimes they are treated uh, for mold other against some uh, insects better not to have this uh, in your beer yes yes so definitely want don't want to have pesticides or um things sprayed all over the yeah. malt because you know uh you're you're gonna definitely really have all those things and there's no real way to wash it <laughs> um how do you how do you kind of make uh, special malts out of uh uh of commercial malts so like for example if i if i went and bought a, a bag of pilsner can i make specialty malts from that yes this is uh something that I also made and I always uh, talk about it when when we talk about uh, home malting it's uh, I think it's important because uh, it's it's an interesting uh, um, thing because you can uh, get in touch with the malting process without having to do the the wool process so you can start from uh, from the middle it's like uh, if you soak the commercial malt for example at pilsner is uh, is something similar if you start uh, the malting process from the green malt so you can for example smoke it or you can uh, make uh, stewing and caramelizing to get some uh, crystal malt or roasting i made some examples in the so some trials in the past because uh, i made some beers without barley and without wheat one of my friends is uh, uh, in, uh, intolerant so it allergic to barley and wheat so i did some batches uh, of beer only with uh, spelt and only with rye and uh, I had the problem, uh, you can find uh, base malt for, for example, uh, spelt and rye, but uh, not uh, the crystal or caramelized malt of uh, these uh, cereals. So I made it by myself. I soaked the malt, let it rest in the fridge for one night, and then I made the stewing, for example, for three hours, and then caramelizing in the oven of the kitchen very cool so so you made a spelt beer um with spelt and then you've made a rye beer how did they turn out were they i mean was your friend who was uh intolerant did did he like them yes and uh he he had no problem uh no problems with the allergy so <laughs> it's after awesome. a long time he was able to drink beer again <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you made him you made a man very happy <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, what are what are some of the issues that new molsters uh, run into when they're starting out? Uh, <clears throat> I think the yes, one issue is the the lack of uh, a very very big community, like for, for example for home brewing, and also the literature. So you don't have so much. You have to find the right uh, places where you 
where to get the information. And uh, about the process, uh, the issues are you need the cold temperatures, you need hot temperatures, and you need also a lot of space. So I think the, the best way to start is uh, to make very small batches, not more than two or three pounds. I remember one time a guy in the, in our group make, made uh, his uh, first post and said, uh, Hey, good morning, everyone. I started today my molting process. I soaked in water 10 kilos of grains. And the first answer was, uh, okay, I think you have to find a neighbor with a lot of ships. <laughs> <laughs> because it is very, very difficult at the beginning to understand the process and you need uh, some tricks. It's not easy to dry a lot of malt. It's not, you have to consider that uh, the, the grains will increase their volume uh, more than 30% during germination. So if you don't have enough space in the, your fridge or in your kiln, you, don't, uh, you cannot sort it out. And w are there any kind of other issues that uh, people run into? Oh, this is the the main the main issue. So start with yeah. small batches. It makes it a lot easier. Um, small batches also make it so that hey, you're not wasting a bunch of grain. And uh, <laughs> and then the other part is is that uh, you're probably gonna mess it up the first couple of times. So you know go back and try again and you'll eventually kind of learn the small tricks that that that, that was good in the molting process that uh, i could use my grains since the first time so maybe you don't have problems with, like in home brewing like infections or things that you have oxidation uh, that you have to throw everything away okay you just have to start with a small batch and then it works yeah and then from there you you learn the process and then you just kind of scale it up from there yes exactly what, what are you currently and, brewing uh, um sorry if you make another mistake that you can do is uh, for example to rise the temperature too fast during the the killing and then you get uh, a caramel malting instead of uh, a pilsner but yeah. uh, if, if you realize it, uh, you can just use it in the brewing process in, an, in an, another way. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, what, are you, what are you currently brewing? What, what's, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the beer that is, is coming out of your brewery these days? These days, uh, I have a, uh, a break in the brewing because I am making a, a new brewing room. So I... I am working in the brewing room <laughs> because I, I installed two sinks to clean the equipment uh, and to have some water always uh, ready. And uh, I will start brewing, uh, I think, next next month. And I uh, now the winter comes, so I want to brew some bottom fermenting German styles. 
I want to make uh, a Munich dark beer, the smoked Merson with the olive wood, uh, smoked malt, and another Merson with the chestnuts. I do it uh, one time per year in October, usually, a chestnut beer. And maybe one batch of uh, Session Black IPA before Christmas. Got to get a hoppy one in there, huh? <laughs> my my friends uh, love it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think I, I have to make it again that's awesome well um you know i i think that uh i i first want to thank you for uh coming on the show giovanni i i think that uh you know you've really just in the 30 minutes or 40 minutes that we've talked today really opened my eyes to the malting process. And, and I've seen, you know, blog posts and I've seen uh, people and, and, and talk to people about it. But I also think that just, you know, going through the process and talking about it in detail um, has really kind of opened my eyes to the process a little bit more and kind of, you know, how if I were to approach it, how I would do it myself as well. Um, so I, I, you know, hope that anyone listening, you know, has learned something new about the malting process and, and wants to try it out. Um, I will link to, obviously, the, the Facebook groups that we talked about. I will link to your Italian Facebook group as well. So if uh, anybody who's listening to the show does speak Italian, head on over and say hi to Giovanni. I'm sure he'd love to uh, talk to you about malting. And, uh, you know, other than that, I, I, I would also... Thank you for coming on the show and, uh, and you know, hope to get an update on some of your beers and, and find out how that olive smoked beer turned out. Yes, I will, I will do it. Or maybe <laughs> I will bring uh, a couple of bottles in the States uh, next year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you ever uh, come to Denver, Colorado and want to uh, bring me a bottle of beer, I would love to drink it with you. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, totally. be nice. I, so your channel the, is named... Uh, brewing do it, your, do it yourself yep and i do a lot by myself so i think we will be in uh, contact uh, in the near future <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we will uh well <laughs> giovanni thank you very much for being on the show and uh and we'll you know see you on next time i'm sure you'll do some other projects that we'll want to talk about <laughs> okay you're welcome thank, thank you, you very much that i could uh, tell the people about my new hobby (laughs) (laughs) well thank you I would like to thank Giovanni for being on the show and you can go to our website and see all kinds of pictures of his DIY malting setup and links to some of the websites and Facebook groups that we discussed during the interview. Once again, please support the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. Your support is appreciated and you get some cool stuff. Well, that's it for today's show, and we'll see you next time on Homebrewing DIY.